Hello and welcome to the Date Night Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Russell, and with me is my co-host, Ashley Russell. Happy New Year! Did you have a good holiday? <laughs> we had the same holiday, so of course. <laughs> Was it good? <laughs> this is a show where each week, Ashley and I, we talk about a new movie that's playing in theaters, and we break down whether we thought it was good or bad, and whether or not it would make for a good date movie. We, we haven't done this in a while. We saw a couple films over the break. Yeah, we took. We like saw a, the majority of the films over the break, but we just didn't have the. We, yeah, we we took like a month off. You know, we saw movies like Vice. We saw movies like Welcome to Marwin, and you know, we were going to do episodes on them, but we didn't really like them that much, and we don't want to, you know, just like trash on them. Exactly. So hopefully, we have you know some good things to say about this week's movie. This week, we're talking about Glass, the new film from M. Night Shyamalan. The IMDb plot summary reads, Security guard David Dunn uses his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man who has 24 personalities. So this movie is effectively a sequel to 2016's Split, which starred James McAvoy as a psycho. With you know a whole bunch of different split personalities. I wouldn't personalities. say he's a psycho. I would say I mean, he's that kid, he's, he's kidnapping he's, people. He's got a really bad mental illness. He's kid. I mean, he's kidnapping well, people he's, and killing I mean, them. But, that that's a psychopath. But because his mental illness, I mean, you know, one of his personalities is telling the other personalities to do with his bidding. I mean, that's that's the definition of a psychopath. <laughs> so. So Glass is a sequel to that. It's also a sequel to 2000's Unbreakable, which starred Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. You, you love that movie. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it in like, uh, Shyamalan's filmography, but that's, I guess, my personal favorite of his, Unbreakable. That movie has a lot of fans. That was his follow-up to The Sixth Sense. It wasn't as big. It wasn't as much of a phenomenon. But that movie has, uh, I think that movie holds up pretty well you know i watched it not too long ago and it still holds up it's it's well directed and it has that it kind of leads up to that interesting reveal you know you don't really know exactly what's going on until the last scene yeah and that's it's a pretty it was a pretty intriguing reveal that he pulled off like hey we're in a world of superheroes and supervillains even though it looks like you know just everyday reality you know these people are kind of uh, hiding amongst us so to speak so those are the characters that you know, in these two previous films, M. Night has established. And so that's kind of set the stage for this movie, Glass, which I think a lot of people have been looking forward to. It came out this weekend. It opened to about $40 million, which is pretty much the exact number that Split opened to. So there wasn't, like, like, a lot of audience growth, I guess. I think the expectation was that, you know, if Split was big and then you add on those unbreakable characters, the movie would be, you know, even bigger. And this movie didn't really grow off of that, audience-wise. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You'd think it would. Because this is like Shyamalan's Avengers, I guess. <laughs> I guess. That's kind of how I think of it. You know? I didn't even think about it that way, but yeah. This is like his crossover special in the Shyamalan-averse. <laughs> so, you know, it came out. I mean, it did okay. You know, I mean, it's going to make a profit. It has a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is not not good Mm -hmm. that's rotten audience score the cinema score was b which is not terrible but also not great you know that's just kind of mediocre 
So before we talk about Glass, let's just you know share our feelings about M. Night Shyamalan in general and just his, his films in general. How do we feel about him? I mean, he's had, he's had quite a roller coaster of a career, ups and downs. He only films in Philadelphia, and I feel yeah. like he needs to get out of Philadelphia for his next one. Why not? It wouldn't hurt him. But you, you're, oh, you're limited. I mean, Philadelphia is a, is a big city, but it's not New York. It's not, you know. Well, yeah, there's so much, so much other things to see. And Philadelphia w- is not pretty. That would require a, a plane ride. Yeah. You know, that would require M. Night Shyamalan to leave his family maybe for a few weeks or months and get on a plane and film somewhere else. But he's not, he's not that kind of guy. I don't think he's not that filmmaker. I think for Lady in the Water, he had like a hotel replica built like within 30 miles of his house because he didn't want to commute further than that. <laughs> At least that's, that's what I've read. Really? That's that's what I've read. Yeah, like everything has to be set. He must have some weird stuff in his house then. I feel like it's his, it, it's just like his little tick as a filmmaker. Like this is, you know, one of the things that identifies my films as one of my films. Like they're all going to be set in Philadelphia. And it's something that has run its course. I think it's run its course. Yeah, I you mean... could do like a trilogy, you know, like the Philadelphia trilogy and then move, move on. Yeah. Just move right on. <laughs> but he, he hasn't. Glass is still set in Philadelphia. <laughs> Isn't that like one of the title cards? Like yes. Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah. So you know you're in Shyamalan of her. There you go. I think the only, well, there's two M. Night Shyamalan movies that I really like. Obviously, The Sixth Sense is still holds up. still really good. I mean, you know, that was like a, such a huge reveal. And people still say, I see dead people. Do people still say that? Yes. Who says that? People. People are regular are, people. People My are quoting office. that movie to you. That's I 20... do. I say it. Have you said I see dead people? I me? do. Okay. Do you see dead people? Well, no. <laughs> okay. I, at least I, I hope <laughs> not. <laughs> That'd be really scary. That and I really like the village, <clears throat> which you did not like. <clears throat> well, when I re I rewatched it not too long ago, like last year. And that really is, it's just a long tease for that twist. There's no, it's not scary. There's no point to that movie except for that twist. Like, wow, look at that twist. It's not really ancient times. It's modern times. Like, wow. Everything up until then is just filler. It's just dead. Like, it. I mean, it's it's Adrian Brody running around in a bird suit. Like, that. I mean, that's what it, it is. Terrible. Sorry. <laughs> I loved it. Okay. I, I don't mean to trash on it. That movie has its fans. I feel like that's kind of where, like, the public perception started to turn on him a little I bit. I think so. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean it, was, it was still far-fetched. But those are the only two movies, and I guess Unbreakable would be up there, too. But, uh, what about Split? Did you like Split? Split was weird. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. I mean, I, I love James McAvoy, and I think maybe that's why I watched it. But if it wasn't for him, I don't think it would have been as successful. Right. No, he's he's having a good time in, in that role. He's having such a great time in this role. He's having a good time. And, like, I just, I love him. You and I, we saw The Visit together. I remember we walked out of that kind of dumbfounded. Oh, was that the grandparents? You remember? Oh, the, 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 in the diapers? There's, yeah, oh, there's some diaper, no, some no, diaper no, no, antics. No, 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 no. <laughs> That was his comeback film. No, 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 no. Don't watch that show. That movie ever. 
That was his comeback movie. That was like after a string of bombs. That's like that was his first movie to make a profit in a long, long time. And so then, yeah, Split followed that, and that was a big hit. So he's on an uptick now. Well, commercially, yeah. I mean, I'm watching these films, and they're like, I mean, I wouldn't say creatively. (laughs) It's any kind of like renaissance. But you made me watch The Happening. Recently, and How'd you I feel wanted about to smack you in the face for recommending that movie to me. Now, did I recommend it as like a nail-biting thriller, or did I recommend it as a comedy? You as a comedy. It was pretty funny. That I mean, that's how far off the rails his career went. Like he was selling horror thrillers, and he and audiences were receiving them as comedies. And, and just to let you guys know, The Happening is really all about them running around and the wind is what is <laughs> killing them. It was so far-fetched and ridiculous. Yeah. And guess what? It has to be, it has to be seen to be Set believed. in Philadelphia. Of course. Oh, yay. It, it's irritating, isn't it? It's, it's like, so yeah, it's irritating. like, let it, let it go. I don't think he wants to be far from home. Because it's not like being, you know, a big filmmaker pays a lot, right? (laughs) You're joking, right? Of course I'm joking. (laughs) I mean, you're being paid, in his case, millions. I mean, at his prime, I'm sure he's being paid millions. And back-end points. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you can... I mean, you can leave your home. It's like, if you're being paid millions, leave your home. Like, leave your town. Leave your town. And the film is being, you know, you can write it off and it'll get reimbursed by the film. Like, the film will pay for your hotel. It's not even like it's coming out of his own pocket. Of course. He's well compensated to direct movies. So, I mean, he can make them wherever he wants. He chooses to make them close to home. You know, he also he likes to do cameos in his movies. Yeah. That's one of his little ticks, along with being set in Philadelphia. He's always going to cameo. It's always going to be distracting. Well, I mean, I didn't know who he, what he looked like, so... I had to point it out to you, you. You did have to point it out He has an early cameo in Glass, and it's kind of like an extended cameo. And it kind of made me worried. Like, <laughs> You're like, is, oh my God. Is this character coming back? <laughs> what, well, and, and again, in, in Lady in the Water, he played a major character. He played a uh, a brilliant writer. Okay. <laughs> a brilliant novelist. Okay, so anyways, we're talking about Glass. Yeah. So with all that out of the way, and we're going to keep it uh, spoiler-free for the beginning. Okay. And then I'll kind of give like a spoiler flag, and then we'll dive into the ending, because it's there are some twists at the end. Which uh, well, that's M. Night's shtick. Right. <laughs> There's... Yeah, there were some twists and surprises at the end. Uh, so without spoilers, uh, how did you feel about Glass? I came into this with not really having high expectations, and it exceeded my expectations. I would probably rank it, you know, I wouldn't give it a 36 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd probably get maybe 75, 80%. Sure, okay. Um I mean, I liked it. It was intriguing. I thought it was fun. You know, James McAvoy just... I can just see him having just the time of his life. Sure. And uh, same with Samuel L. Jackson and, you know, Bruce Willis. I mean, they're just, Bruce Willis is just so brooding. Did you feel like Bruce Willis was underused at all? I do. Yeah. I, I definitely do. I don't think his character was really, I mean, he was in that room. During the first act, it's him and his son. Yeah. Played by uh, Spencer. Yeah, but he wasn't really doing anything except going out on his walks. Right. Well, he's tracking these dudes who are making these uh, YouTube like prank videos. Yeah. Like I don't know what that was. <laughs> that's 
But these dudes who are like doing the power punch and then knocking people out in the street. Right, just like punching random people on the street. And so he's he's tracking them down. Yeah. And then from there he's going on to I feel like his powers are underutilized, tracking down people, punching out people. I mean, I get it's bad. <laughs> but um it's like, well, he can like t- he can touch people and then like see s- what s- yeah. see see their sins, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and the first act kind of focuses on him, like, you know, tracking Kevin. Yes. Played by James McAvoy. And that, that leads to kind of an exciting scene where they, you know, square off in this warehouse. He has these... Cheer- yeah, he saves the girls. He has these cheerleaders chained to a pipe. But Bruce Willis comes in, rescues them. And that's a pretty good scene. That is a good scene, yeah. But the bulk of the movie is at this mental institution, which is run by Sarah Paulson's character. Mm-hmm. And she is trying to convince them that uh, their belief of a super ability is really just a delusion. Yeah. That That's the bulk of the movie. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then there's kind of the third act where they get out and then some, some things happen. But Samuel L. Jackson gave a pretty good performance. He's always I am amazing. so surprised. How old is he now? I think he turned 70 this year. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's He's, one, he's still, a legend. He's, he's fantastic. He, he's a legend. And just his filmography is incredible. And he keeps knocking it out of the park. Even if he's in a mediocre movie, he's always... He, he never dials it I in. I mean, Snake's on a plane. Even Snake's Duh. on a plane. He's, he's bringing it. <laughs> He's, he, I mean, he's totally focused <laughs> on getting those, you know, mother effing snakes off his mother effing plane. plane. Exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I love Sam Jackson. And yeah, he's, he's good in here. He's pretending to be catatonic for, I guess, half the movie. Yeah. So, uh, but what, what is he doing in there? Does it explain how Mr. Glass got into the institution? It doesn't. It does. I, I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember it either. I mean, if, I feel like there must be some line or something where she says, you know, we've been holding him since or whatever. But I don't remember it. Yeah, I don't either. It must have been like something passing. Because he's been in there for a while and he keeps trying to break out. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Do they say how long he's been in there? No, but he was in there for a while and multiple times he's tried to Or maybe maybe it's since, it's since the events of Unbreakable that he's been in there. Like 18 years? Maybe that's what they said? Yeah, I don't want to speculate. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to rewatch it, but I uh, I believe that's... Uh, I believe he's been in the institution since the events of Unbreakable. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I believe that's what happened. So, I guess overall, you enjoyed it. I did. It was good, good fun. <laughs> what did you like most about it? So, I really love... James McAvoy in this. I mean, I'm going to say it again. I think he just really makes his 24 personas and characters. And I giggled at every single one of them, especially Hedwig. He just does it immaculately. It's great. He's the bulk of this movie, I would say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like mostly feels like a sequel to Split, I guess, more than Unbreakable. Another favorite piece of this was probably the ending. Okay, which we'll which we'll get into. Yeah. Okay, we'll save that for spoilers. I mean, it was it was it was a pretty good twist, but Samuel L. Jackson still gets the best of everybody. Well, he's the mastermind. He is the mastermind. I mean, they clearly model him after the Joker. Yeah. With like the purple getup, <laughs> right? I mean, clearly. I didn't even think about it like that, but I could see it. 
The crazy hair. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just the purple. Like, that's very Joker-esque. And, you know, he's a crazy mastermind blowing things up. So I, yeah, I think I'm on uh, the same page as you. I was expecting a much worse movie, especially based on the reviews. I was expecting a train wreck. And, uh, I mean, I, I didn't love Split. I mean, The Visit is a comedy to me. So, like, <laughs> Shyamalan hasn't made a good movie in my book since Unbreakable. Even Signs is kind of laughable. Yeah. Like, that's very slow-paced. It's kind of a joke, that movie. Unbreakable, Sixth Sense, those movies still hold up. And so I was kind of dreading this because Shyamalan, I mean, he's he's gone off the rails. Yeah. He's, he's lost his confidence as a filmmaker. You know, the guy who made Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, that's a different guy than the guy who made The Last Airbender and Ooh. The Happening and Lady in the Water. I mean, he made a streak of films so bad. It makes you, like, question his competency. Well, it also makes you question, okay, who's giving him money? Well, Sixth Sense was so big. I mean, Sixth Sense is the type of movie... But Sixth Sense was also, what, 25 years ago? It was 20. 20, 1999. Okay. 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Well, sure. No, I'm just saying, like, that buys you a lot of opportunities. 20 years worth of opportunities? I agree. Anyone who makes a movie as bad as The Last Airbender needs to step away for a while and reevaluate things. But then he followed it up with After Earth with Will Smith, which was Will Smith's biggest flop. But then he scaled it down. Yeah. After Earth, Last Airbender, those are big budget. Like, he wiped out big time. Then he scaled it down with The Visit, which was a comeback for him. Well, he scaled it down to what he's used to. Yeah. Clearly, I think he works better within smaller budgets. Yeah. Like, don't go over $100 million with this guy. I wouldn't even say go over 50. I mean, Last Airbender is like if you gave a student a $150 million and you're like, here you go. And the student has no idea what what they're doing. They're just kind of winging it. And then they come back with a movie that's unwatchable. <laughs> and you're like, well, what did I expect? <laughs> <laughs> he was, I mean, this guy was on the cover of Newsweek with the headline, The Next Spielberg. So, I mean, the hype for him was so big. And then, you know, the, the public started to turn on him. And the movies got really bad. So, yeah, all of that, I just, I was kind of not expecting the best out of Glass. And I was entertained all throughout. Yeah. And I was, you know, I wouldn't say I was on, like, the edge of my seat. But I was definitely engaged and intrigued as far as, like, where it was going to go. Like, yeah. scene to scene. Like, where is this going to go? You know, it's, you know, like, some kind of twist. Something's going to happen. Yeah. The entire time I was afraid, like, there, he was going to sabotage the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, he always does. I feel like Shyamalan himself always sabotages his films in some way. And I was waiting for that to happen. And for me, that didn't happen. Like, I guess that's the twist for me. Like, he didn't, he didn't ruin it. <laughs> Like, he actually kind of stuck the landing. I mean, the ending, you could argue, is a little, it maybe feels a little rushed, maybe a little hectic or sloppy, because there's a lot going on. Yeah. But I was I was mostly satisfied about where the movie went, and but mostly it's, it's seeing these actors in these roles is a lot of fun. It's, it is a lot of fun. You can tell they're all having a good time. That's, and yeah, and Shyamalan kind of, you know, he, he gets out of their way and he lets them do their yeah. thing for a good... A good well, portion I think of the film. they all know their roles and they all know their characters, so it, he doesn't really have to coach them. I don't think he directs uh, James McAvoy at all. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's just like, I'm gonna roll the camera. <laughs> I'll figure out when you're done. You just, you just do your thing. 
And so, yeah, the, those three actors, they're, the three of them are good enough to make it entertaining yeah. all, all throughout. And so I guess now we should maybe talk about some spoilers. Okay. We're going to talk about things that happened in the last act of the film. At the end of the film, uh, basically, we find out that Sarah Paulson's character, she knows that they are super beings. Her job is to basically snuff out superhumans and make sure that the public doesn't become aware of superhumans. Yeah. That, that's her agenda. Yeah. And whereas Sam Jackson's agenda is the exact opposite. His agenda is to make... He wants the world to know... He wants documented proof yeah. and for it to go viral. And I guess what's interesting is like at the end of the film, they both kind of achieved their goal. <laughs> well, she kills them all. She's yeah, she's victorious and silencing those yeah. super beings. All of them die, which is something that you don't see. Right. And really in any movie, all three characters die. I think that's what a lot of people are upset about. Yeah. I think particularly seeing I mean that's ballsy. It, it is ballsy. To see it in and of itself, it is ballsy. It's also like Bruce Willis, he's drowned in a puddle in in the middle of the street. Like, yeah. like just a little like ditch in the road. I mean, he is brutally drowned. <laughs> like it is. I mean, it's pretty brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> oh my god. And I think some people have a problem with that, you know, like this, you know, superhuman dude is just put down in a puddle in the street. Uh, like it's such a it's such a horrible anticlimactic way for him to go. I guess is some of the argument. I was just, I guess, struck by how brutal it was and that he didn't get up. Like, the, you know, he was yeah. held down the entire time yeah. until he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that was a surprise. And then Glass, who I think was pretty much stepped on. He's punched, I think, yeah. out of his chair. Yeah. And then, yeah, all of his bones break. <laughs> and he's just dying in the street. And I think Beast, he's shot. Is that what happens? Yeah. He's shot. He's shot. Um, and then the lead in the Split movie. An- the, Anya Taylor-Joy. She's in here. And she comes back. She has a connection with pretty much all of the personalities except the Beast and Patricia. I think Patricia and the Beast are kind of working hand in hand. All of the other personalities likes her. And she's actually able to get Kevin the real personality to come through and into the light. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think I even like caught all of that. But I guess that's... I, mean, well, I think it, that's the reason why they brought her back was because, you know, she's able to take him out of each individual personality without having the light thing. Yeah, they use uh, like a strobe light, I mm-hmm. guess, to make him change characters. Yeah. And yeah, so why do you think people are like so down on this movie? You know, like, like Split was very well received, like embraced, whereas this one, people are just kind of giving it the cold shoulder. Why do you think, why do you think that is? I don't know. They probably don't want to see all their main characters die. I mean, I think that probably gives them a not so great feeling. <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, seeing Bruce Willis drown in a puddle yeah. is always upsetting. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the finale of you know a series that's been going on for 20 years uh, sure i guess since 2000 it's not really much of a series i, I mean it's know, but... yeah, three films spread over 20 years yeah it just it seems like people really take issue with the ending mm-hmm. 
I don't think I don't think M Night is ever gonna top Six Sense no. or, or Unbreakable. I think like those like he got his best out of his system early on. We do find out that um, Glass actually killed Kevin Crumb's dad. He was actually on the train with Bruce Willis. Right. And unbreakable. Right. So Sam Jackson, who bombed that train, he was responsible for killing Kevin's dad. Yeah. Who was going to help him. They knew that he had the, the multi-personality disorder and the mother was just beating him senseless because she didn't understand. And after the death of his dad, he gets sent to like a foster dad who ends up abusing him. Yeah. And that's what brings out the beast. Yeah. So there are there are some interesting themes, you know, themes about like you like channeling like trauma into some sort of like ability, you know, like yeah. that I think M Night is trying to get at with these films. I guess how like you know pain can be its own like superpower. I guess in its own way. I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I think there there's a lot of like half developed themes mm-hmm. that sort of run throughout these films. I don't know if he necessarily like makes any profound statements no, about no, her- heroism no. or, you know, superheroes in no. general. You know, it has this sense of, you know, Big Brother, right? I mean, with uh, Sarah Paulson's character, um, she's part of this secret organization. And that's really, that's the only area for it, for the, the story to continue, I yeah. guess, would be that organization. Who are they? Yeah. Because you can't continue with any of these characters. <laughs> no, but they ended up... I mean, Samuel L. Jackson ended up winning because he live-streamed all of their abilities and yeah. everything. During the big showdown, yeah, yeah, they're kind of uh, taking a little cell phone video of them in action mm-hmm. as proof of, like, these super beings exist. And then... And then it goes viral. <laughs> yeah, like, it kind of... It sort of leaves you with the impression that... It's gone. It's gone viral, and people people now know the truth. Yeah. So yeah, overall, I was satisfied. I'm glad like they didn't leave the door open for more. I am too. Adventures. Yeah. I don't need more. Well, I think Samuel L. Jackson and Bruce Willis are getting a little old too. Sure. Well, yeah, Sam Jackson is seventy. When I think of those two actors together, I think of Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> one of the great. One of the great pairings. <laughs> Just great. I mean, they, they're great in that movie. Just riding around in a cab in yeah. New York City, just dropping F-bombs. And... There you go. <laughs> I actually think this was a good date movie. I mean, it was it was just good fun. It's entertaining, yeah. It's, I mean, it's not people... romantic by any means. No, there's, there's no romance. There's no real... uh, they do mention Robin Wright's character from Unbreakable. His yeah. wife, I guess she died of cancer in yeah. this movie. I mean, that's always a bummer. It's like if you can't bring him back, you got to kill him. Well, yeah, I mean, Robin Wright is now lead on House of Cards. That's right. I mean, this is just a twenty million dollar movie. Like House of Cards is twenty million dollar episode. So Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson alone are going to eat up a lot of your budget. And she'll want to be on the same pay scale. <laughs> I mean, maybe you just get her for like a day of filming, like saying goodbye to Bruce Willis as he goes to track people. <laughs> But that would be kind of a shitty callback. That would be a shitty callback. <laughs> I did think them bringing back the sun. I think I think that was cool. I like that a lot. Things like that, you know, when you can bring back characters and you know work them into the story, sometimes it can be really satisfying. And yeah. the, the, in this case, I, I think it did re- work well, really well. Well, I think I think Independence Day 
didn't bring back the... No, they messed that one up. Yes. They recast certain characters. But they didn't bring back the daughter. I mean, and the daughter's, right. you know, she's... I guess she wasn't attractive enough well, or the, something. That's like, the one they recast. But I thought that was so stupid. That was yeah. such a stupid, 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 stupid thing for them to do. And instead of Will Smith, you get like this, no, I mean, actor you've never seen before playing yeah. his son. Anyways, that's, that, that, that's, that's another a movie. movie. That's another movie. <laughs> uh, so what, um, yeah, so yeah, I agree. It's a good date movie. There's, I mean, there's enough going on. It's exciting. Uh, it's involving. Yeah. Me. It's intriguing. I mean, there's some laughs. I mean, the movie's kind of funny. Uh, I mean, I, I laughed. Out I know, loud a me times. too. Yeah. It's I mean, it's that M Night Shyamalan thing. Like it's it's just too ridiculous to oh, take serious sometimes. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first line, like this PB and J line. <laughs> that was funny. That, I, mean, I think. Do you guys want a PB and J? He's just like eating up like every single like letter in his in his dialogue. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a solid date movie. I think it helps if you know the other films, Split and Unbreakable. Oh yeah, you have. I to. wouldn't. I wouldn't go into this cold. I, I would. I would have at least uh, like some sort of passing memory of those films, and uh, I would give it a B. What, what what would you give it, like grade wise? I'd give it a B. And that's. I mean, that was the cinema score. Yeah. So that's that's appropriate. So that's Glass from M. Night Shyamalan. You can find more episodes on birdseyefilm.com as well as iTunes where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're on Twitter at dnmoviepodcast. You can also email us at datenightmoviepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Patrick. And I'm Ashley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>